Welcome back. Hello, welcome. Welcome back. Bill, we're back. Yes, you're back. Yes, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And guys, we are back from our road trip. I'm excited. Yep. And Bill, actually, I'm back from... You, you uh, took a... Took a real trip. It wasn't a road trip. It was, it was a road trip in the trip. Yeah, tell me about your yeah. trip. Tell well, everyone. After we got back from Dr. Frank's, uh, I, the wife and I actually went to go visit my brother, and we, uh, we headed out to Vegas. It was uh, everything people say Vegas is and more. Uh, really... really Long nights. Did you do a pool party? We saw a pool. Be in the middle of the, <laughs> be in the middle of winter. They were everyone's like resurfacing their pools. They're all closed. So I heard about the pool party you had last time. We we're not there. talking about that. <laughs> Wild times. <laughs> well, you know what we did though is we went to uh, the Grand Canyon. Cool. We got a little a rental car. We we hit up the Grand Canyon, and it it. it it's a lot of walking. I believe it. Yeah. It's kind of, when I, it, this epiphany hit me that vacations are basically walking with your family. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody says, hey, do you want to go on vacation together? They're basically saying, hey, do you want to go walk with me for a long time? Yeah, this is why you should go with me. A few days ago. go to pool parties and nightclubs. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining. The Grand Canyon was beautiful. There were these two brothers we heard about. I think in like the 1920s called like the Cobb Brothers, uh, K-O-L-B, and they uh, were the first guys to ever photograph and film themselves at the Grand Canyon. Just first selfie? <laughs> yeah, no, it was basically the first selfie. They actually took some videos. It looked like a fake video. They are recording themselves navigating down the Colorado River, and they're just bumping into things. They're <laughs> crashing and tipping over. But because those videos kind of went all over, those pictures went all over, then it gave people the courage to kind of come and... Do it themselves? Yeah, try it themselves. So it really helped tourism there, yeah. And we walked almost all the way down and then back up. And I got to tell you, back up is a whole lot harder. Yeah, I have no interest in doing that. Ever. I'm glad you did it without me. Yeah. Well, it was a good time. I was pretty sore the next day, too. But I did wish you were there. I figured there would be some cool people we could find in uh, in Vegas or you know some sort of national park ranger to talk to and interview. Can we bring all this with, with us? Yeah. You know, that's one thing we wanted to talk about and bring up. Every time Bill and I are doing these <laughs> interviews together, if you didn't pick up on it, these are in-person they're live, and uh, they've been going pretty well, Bill. But mm-hmm. the fun thing for us is, you know, when we take those road trips, we are going to the winery. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's cool. That's the nice part about it. Yeah, you know, we're going to the brewery. We're going to the office, yeah. the huddle room. We've had hecklers. Yeah, Rich was good enough to uh, <laughs> edit them out. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get better at the technology, I'm sure, for season two. It would be really interesting. We're getting some emails from some great people, inspirational people, some podcasters in California, and they they want us to be on their show, Bill, and they want to be on our show. Cool. I have a couple friends too that sent uh, an email this week, uh, both suggesting some local people that we could talk to. It sounds good. I just want to figure out, maybe for season two, how do we actually record using the internet for people that are really far away? I don't want to do that for all of them, but I would love to give it a shot. Yeah, why not? Well, let's get right to it, guys. As always, make sure you check us out and keep up to date with the podcast at guystellingstories.com. Facebook. Yeah, We're on Facebook, Guys Telling Stories, and also on Twitter, Guys Tell Stories. 
And of course, Instagram at Guys Telling Stories as well. And, you know, we haven't brought it up before, but we have a mailing list. So you can sign up for our mailing list. Head to our website, guystellingstories.com. Every morning I wake up and start writing. He does. He does. Well, I don't know what he writes, but mm. <laughs> he writes something. And what we do is we send out the occasional update, especially in the off season. You know, we have a few more amazing guests for you, some really surprise, interesting ones. But then once we uh, kind of close down season, one, you can stay up to date with the podcast by signing up for that mailing list. So head over to guystellingstories.com. Just type in your name, your email address, and we call it the VIP list, Bill. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very important. It is people. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely check that out. Well, our guest for today is not only a successful restaurateur and successful businessman, Bill, but he is a successful, I don't know, what do you call him? Business mogul almost. He doesn't He's- own... He's done what kind of what he wants to do, and, and mm-hmm. it's worked for him. I, I, yeah, he doesn't have... You can't really define him. No, he doesn't have one business, so he has, uh, he has an entire portfolio of businesses. Yes. Our guest for today is Mike Schatzel. He is a guy who grew up in the restaurant business, and he took over the family business. And I think there was a few in the works there. Like you said, there was two, mm-hmm. uh, Coles and Brennan's. Yep, and I know him Buffalo. and his brother uh, have been running them both, and uh, he, he's just... Nonstop, keep yeah. going. Since that time, he's opened up five more. I think he has one in the works that he's kind of cleaning up and fixing up. And he's actually opening his own brewery. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk to him about that, too. Nope, that's just in. He just opened another one. <laughs> Yep, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, he's a hard man to track down because he's always traveling. He agreed to meet us at one of his newer ventures, uh, ABV Allen Burger Venture. He is. Uh, it's a rock and roll style restaurant. He's going to meet us. Have uh, you been there yet? I, I've checked it out. It's it's really cool inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say rock and roll because it's like, you know, all wood inside and metal. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's cool. It's yeah. really, it's really, uh, it's really a, something you got to check out. So where else are we going to meet a guy who owns seven restaurants and opening a brewery and another restaurant besides a really cool, loud restaurant? <laughs> this is his loudest one. This yeah. is really a challenge. Yeah, no, that's okay. You know, so let's pack this stuff up. Let's head to his restaurant. Let's go ahead. ABV. Yeah, ABV. Let's have a good talk, Bill. Okay. See you there. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Guys Telling Stories. We're, again, very, very excited to have Mike Schatzel as our guest. Mike is owner of a number of restaurants here in Buffalo, New York. You can definitely check all the restaurants and him out on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, Mike, we like to start kind of bringing it back to the beginning. There's probably a lot of people wondering, um, you know, what was life like when you were first starting out? Uh, how, what set you on this path? My dad, his dad, we've pretty much uh, been in the bar business. Uh, my grandfather owned a saloon called Schatzel's in, on Electric Avenue in Lackawanna. My dad kind of ventured ventured uh, out of sunny L.A. to Buffalo. He opened the, the Lachlan's, which is now Buffalo proper in the, the 60s. And uh, in 69, the, they shut him down for being too wild. <laughs> which is must have been really wild this before I was born but uh, in 1970 he opened Brennan's Bowery Bar out in the main in transit and then Coles in 73 he bought which was already uh, I'm a alive now state. so yeah. that's good yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, so he opened Coles a year after I was born so you know back when I was probably once I got in double digits in years 
the busboy didn't show up, if uh, the dishwasher didn't show up, then he, my dad was driving home and grabbing me and putting me to work. So I started, you know, I started doing that at a pretty young age, and then I just pretty much uh, never left it. Yeah, it sounds like at all ages you were busing. It sounds like probably serving, maybe in the kitchen, cooking. You've seen yeah, it all. I've done it all. Uh, I started off as a busboy dishwasher. Never really waited tables unless it was like uh, someone didn't show. I'm you know, fully capable of doing it. Bar back, I bartend for a long time, and then uh, one day at Coles, I think this would kind of turned around the food program there. Uh, you know, a guy pulled me aside and just pretty much laid into me about the quality of his food. That this is this is about '98, and he's right. You know, he showed me this roll that was a hockey puck, and it was just it was embarrassing. Wow. And uh, the next day, I went to head cook. I said, "You're teaching me how to cook," and then. I uh, put some couple years in, and, you know, on the line in the kitchen, redid the menus, then I went out to Vancouver, British Columbia, to culinary school. Most people, when they go to culinary school, don't open this type of an environment. They open fine dining. They open. They get creative. They're. What made you want to just? Well, I think I'm still creative. You know, I, I fine dining's not me. It's. Uh, I, I feel. Yeah, I'm not a tablecloth, white tablecloth guy. It's just not who I am. I, I'm a pub bar guy that wants to serve good food that fits that you know that type of place. So, and you know, and I think what you see now, you see a lot of restaurants are going to that. You don't see these you know high high end chefs. They're not opening in New York. They're not opening those really fancy places. They're open jean and jean and t-shirt places with you know really good food. I mean. By no means is the food any worse. It's just, it's different. A place like this is where I would want to be on a Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday night. I pretty much, I open places I want to hang out in. So. Yeah, that makes sense. For the most part, I, I've been around, I've traveled. Well, speaking of, uh, of being well-traveled, most people, like Bill was saying, when they go to culinary school, probably don't go international. What, what brought you to uh, Canada? Funny, I was, I don't, when I was a kid, I don't know when I was a kid, but this movie came out, uh, the Ted Danson movie called Cousins, I think it was called. Okay. And it was filmed in British Columbia, and I just thought it was gorgeous. And, uh, you know, at the end of the I waited on the movie to see where it was filmed. It said Vancouver. So I always had Vancouver on the mind, and then when I decided to go to culinary school, uh, I looked one up, I found one in Vancouver, and flew out there, and... Checked the city out. I loved it and applied, got in, and the rest is history. That's great. It's, it seems like your family influenced you quite a bit. Obviously, like your, your father, your grandfather, they've been in this business. But was there anyone specific that encouraged you to pursue this path and take it to basically a, a whole other level? That's a good question. Uh, a lot was built on just... Seeing my, you know, I love the lifestyle my parents had growing up. You know, they, you know, they weren't your typical parents. You know, they were they're coming home after a late Friday night and feeling pretty good. And you know, I was like, I could, that's what I want to do. You know, I, they travel, they have fun, they have enough time to take us on trips. And you know, obviously, there's people I look up to in the business. I was in Amsterdam um, with uh, first time with Charlie Goldman from. Uh, Allen Street Hardware and 
We went to a bar called Gollum, right off the Sink Canal there, and it was just like an old, kind of crusty Belgian beer bar, and I fell in love. And but like just the atmosphere there, and then they had the, the correct glass for every beer, and just the vibe. You know, it wasn't fancy. It was worn because you know it's. I mean, those bars are so old over the you know on the other side, and uh, you know it just something I really you know I was already into beer so. Uh, and that really set the, you know, started the fire burning. And For me, one of the breweries I visited first was Oma Gang over in Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I got to say, like a guilty pleasure beer, or maybe a desert island beer, that Three Philosophers for me wow. was the one that sort of turned me on to. There's a whole nother level here. You know, first time I had Three, three Philosophers, I think at that point I already had St. Bernard's 12 and a couple of the Belgians. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that mixed with the creek, uh, Three Philosophers special beer, the first time I had it. Yeah, same. Still it remains so. What about you, Bill? In terms of the uh, Guilty Pleasure or Desert Island, whatever, that first beer that got gotcha. you? You know what? It was the Southern Tier Creme Brulee was the first thing I tasted that okay. was just like, this is not beer. This is beyond. <laughs> so I had four of them. I did, <laughs> so you're going to laugh I did at not, the, I did not feel good the next day. The, the first beer that... Oh. Kind of took me off that was uh, Dundee's Honey Brown. That was like the first like, right. non uh, back in college at University of Rochester. Yeah, that was like the uh, the one beer that kind of got that had some color, had some flavor that that I started getting into. Yeah, and from there, you know, I graduated other things. But well, it sounds like you're uh, you have this visual memory of where you were when things happened. Was there? I guess, where were you when you realized there's no turning back for, for the path you're on in terms of, I'm, I'm taking this restaurant, bar, beer scene to another level? Were, um, you, were you here? Were you, were no, you traveling yeah, well, somewhere else? Shortly, I, a couple friends kind of saw what I was doing, my, my brother-in-law and my, my friend Larissa, and she convinced me to to take this uh, course at UB called CEL, so it's sort of like an entrepreneurial leadership course. You go there and they kind of show you how to get your business going and you have various people in uh, different business. There's plumbers, there's printers, there's real estate, you know, pretty much everything, but you don't realize, but a lot of your problems are, are similar. You're just selling different things. So. So I took that, and that kind of got my fire going, and uh, it showed me, uh, you know, I can be, I can be more, you know. And one of the big motivating thing was, had I just stayed at Coles, you know, I could have had Coles is a great spot, and you know, I could have had a nice life just doing that. But you know, it was always this is just your dad's spot, and you, you know, so. I had to create my own identity and do it on my own, and uh, and I think I've you know I've definitely done that at this point. When when you have been growing and doing this, there's obviously obstacles and challenges you hit along the way. Each place you you open, you lose a little grip on, you know. So you're not as much as hands-on you want to be. You can't be as hands-on. So that's the biggest adjustment I've had was losing my grip on every place. You know, it's. But you know, you hire well. You you put knowledgeable people in the. You put them in the right situations. Give them the right training. Set yourself up for success. Yeah. It sounds like it comes down to the hiring the right people, making the right 
you know, decisions in terms of who you trust. That is very, very true. And, and you do make mistakes once in a while with that. You make mistakes as a business owner with a lot of things you do. Some are little, some are bigger. Um, sometimes you, you, I know you have, you have partners uh, in, in certain places, and, and, yeah, and that's always... You have to know who you're getting in bed with, you know, and it's, uh, for the most part, I've been, I've been pretty good picking out uh, partners, you know. You win some, you lose some, but, uh, but you know, your key people, you got to surround yourself with top-notch people, and you got to pay them right. So, you know, if you pay them right and they do the job, they make up, they definitely make up for what extra you might be paying them. So it's, uh, and that's, you know, a lot of obstacles in this business. You know, it's, uh, you know, Yelp. There's there's so many, you know, Facebook. I mean, there's like, social media has changed everything, you know, and it's. You know, it's funny you bring that up because you know, most you, people listening to this are, are thinking of Yelp as a tool for when they're in another town, they could look up the best restaurant, the best place to go grab uh, a bagel. But for you, it, you probably look at it totally differently. Well, like Facebook yesterday, we had this guy was mad because we don't take reservations at Blue Monk. You know, so we had a little fun with him. And then next thing you know, he's getting friends and they live in Miami. And... Uh, and next thing I know, the guy puts a review up on Blue Monk's Facebook page. One out of five. I had a giant hairball in my food. Oh, like, boy. I know the guy's never even been there. You know, but uh, definitely changed the the scope of advertising. But but it also, you know, some negative stuff can out and it can spread like wildfire. Yeah. You know, from listening to other podcasts or other interviews, I've heard a lot of people talk about how they've used technology uh, maybe a little differently to help their business, whether it's listing what beers they have online or using iPads to take orders at the table. Do you think technology has uh, played a, a role in your businesses at all yet? Yeah, it's, I mean, like now with, um, you know, I know guys, we, we haven't got there yet, but, you know, you can adjust, you're sitting at home and you just pull out your iPhone and look at the, your cameras on your phone. You can, if you don't like the lighting on your you know, if you think it's too bright, you can from your couch at home. You can turn the lights down. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I, my phone, I can I can get right into my my POS systems and leave messages for the servers. And uh, you know, it's it's great in some ways, and it's uh, you, you can get it, it, it affords, affords you some things, but it also you know I remember I, I think a local guy Rory Allen wrote. Uh, I remember reading this, you know, you want people to go to your event, send them an invite. And I think a lot of that that stuff has gone, you know, away that now it's just like, oh, I just put a post an event on Facebook and everybody's going to come and it doesn't happen. You know, you got to, you still got to do those things. And, you know, I think social media is kind of turned you a little lazy, not lazy, but it just... It's changed, definitely changed things the way you, you approach. I wake up, you know, 6.45, 6.30, I grab my phone, and right then I can I get a, I have an email waiting for me from Morpat, ABV, soon to be uh, Monk. It gives me the breakdown, the sales, tells me what I sold in food, tells me what I sold in liquor, beer, tells me my labor costs, percentages. I mean, everything's right there it's waiting when I, when I wake up. I and mean, it's, it's definitely... 
it's a whole new world out there, and it's exciting, and but it's also a little scary, you know. But it's uh, not scary, but it's it's exciting. I'm not the most like computer computer savvy person, so yeah. I'm getting better. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely it's a, it's a new restaurant world out there, no that's, doubt. That's for sure. You know, I was thinking before we look too far ahead. Uh, in opening all these new places, any funny stories, anecdotal stories about you know the last minute rush to get the chairs in or uh, you know get the lines? Just one of those funny stories where we barely made it, guys, but we made it in opening all these new places. One first one comes to mind was more Pat when we were pretty ready to getting close to ready to go, and then we had a plumber in, and he realized that the water from the toilet was getting like, kind of where the main line on Williamsville is uh, on Main Street. So the water goes up, you know, it's got to go up the hill. And he said, there's no way your water's, you, you're going to get volume. He goes, everything's going to flow right back at you in that bathroom. You're gonna be, so <laughs> That's we, not we, what we, you want to hear. Yeah, not what you want to hear. So we, we, thank God we figured that out before. Even the upstairs yeah. bathroom? Now, now everything gets, <laughs> we had a, the crazy thing is like the the terms you you learn like uh, opening bars like I didn't know what Wayne's coating was before I didn't know what a soffit was uh, you know like electric you know like I, before you do I, I had no idea what now I'm after you keep opening them you know you, things you never thought you'd learn you'd uh, you start getting accustomed to you know but uh, that the bathroom one's like the first thing but. We can hope something always happens, you know. You, a couple wires are on backwards, so when you're trying to turn the lights up, they're putting them down. Everything's it's just the way it is, I guess. Music on Main Street, Thursday nights in Williamsville. How many glasses did you lose? <laughs> we go through quite a. We actually was. We didn't. We didn't lose. We go through quite a bit. You know, I figured Williamsville were safer there, but. Uh, the funny things like you always see like uh, Untapped or Facebook or Twitter. They're taking. You see a lot of pictures of beers in more cup or more pack cups. That I'm sure they, some people bought them, but I'm sure. But that's kind of the uh, you know. So it cost me I don't know neighborhood of like two dollars a glass, and you're you're pretty not that I want them to steal them all the time, but. You kind of expect it to happen, so they're gonna steal their your glass from you. Might as well have your logo on it. There you so, go. So you know it sits in <laughs> there. You know, whether go. it sits in their bathroom with their, whether they wash their brush their teeth, wash their face, see more pad. If they go in their cupboard, there's more pads staring in the face. So <laughs> for two bucks to be an everyday, you know, or at least a couple times a week, yeah, that's they smart. see your logo in their house. It's money well spent. Yeah, it sounds like a lesson learned. You could drive yourself crazy worrying about the silverware or the glasses, but you just kind of, it's you know, it's a marketing thing, you know, it's advertising you know, you're they're, they're going to take your glassware, so at least you, you have a gen, you know, nice reminder where it came from. Yeah, it's looking at the bigger picture, because yeah. I, if they see the Morpac glass, they might go, hey, we haven't been there in a little while, let's exactly. head back there, yeah. It's, and they're having some friends over, where should we go tonight? Let's go to Morpad. Let's go to Morpad. You know, exactly. somebody's drinking out of the Morpad glass. So I think, you know, for the two bucks, at least it means they were in there. So Yeah, I think it's time for us to take a look ahead. Um, you know, I know you have a lot in the works, but, you know, a couple months down the line, a year down the line, what's uh, one thing that's currently exciting you? 
Uh, well, the the new brewery, brew pub I'm opening on Elmwood called Thin Man uh, with Rocco Termini. Uh, we're very excited about that. Um, you know, we're going into the old Faraday's Toro location on Elmwood, and, uh, you know, that, that block's been, has seen better days. You know, a lot of things besides Faraday's and Toro's clothes. Putting some new blood in there, and I think um, I think it'll be a, a great winner. You know, Rocco, everything he touches seems to do very well. Everything I've been touching seems to be doing very well, so I think we'll make a great team. Uh, uh, it's a very exciting thing. You know, it's a logical next step for me. Being the kind of the craft beer uh, bar guy in Buffalo, and right. you know I'm excited. I don't know much about brewing, but I think I got a pretty good palate, and I know how to sell beer. So it's uh, for me, it's it's really exciting to be in that um, aspect of the, this craft beer business, and I couldn't be, you know, it's really cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. You know, it sounds pretty exciting already. Most of the uh, local breweries that are opening up are starting to focus on a specific type of beer or maybe a certain type of cuisine. Any ideas what Thin Man might be? Uh, is it going to be a West Coast IPA, a stout, uh, a little bit of everything? We're going to brew a little everything. Um, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, definitely have our IPAs and some American-style stouts. And I think uh, one thing we're, we're concentrating, we... we we want uh, the first really, really great stout brewed in Buffalo. Ah, oh, that's. I think that's something. Well, language. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that's uh, uh, missing. You know, why, I'm not saying these other guys don't make great stouts, but uh, we want that first one that's just like mind blowing. You know, that people are driving a couple hours for for the release, and uh, you know, hopefully that's something we can pull off. No, we want to experiment Belgians and. Obviously, IPAs are a huge thing, so, um, you know, it's, and then we'll have, like, in the kind of an experimental, uh, you know, our main brewery be a 15-barrel brewery, and then we'll have, like, an experimental practice kit that, you know, we'll, we'll put some one-offs on and, you know, see what, we'll, we'll have our hits and misses, I know, and uh, that's the fun part about it, so, but, uh, you know, I think we'll be a very nice addition to the you know, the current Buffalo scene that, you know, CBW and Flying Bison and Big Ditch and Resurgence and Hamburg and 12 Gates that I'm looking forward to. And there's a lot of, you know, it's exciting time to be, be in Buffalo. Yourself personally, like we're talking about near future, what about down the road? Like what are your, what are your goals, let's say 10, 20 years from now? 10? Ten years, hopefully, you know, I'm still doing what I'm doing, and I think I don't want to spread myself too thin. You know, I don't want to open that one spot that maybe my ego gets in the way of, uh, you know, what's going on. So I think I'm kind of maxing myself out at this point, you know. And then, um, but you know, if, if Thin Man takes off, you know, then I can see that turning into a production brewery, and then. You know, selling beers, uh, you know, across the state and then through my connections with uh, importers, you know, maybe that takes off and it starts going to bigger markets in the U.S., you know, and that's well down the line. But, you know, I think that'd be, yeah, you know, uh, I got some that I buy a lot of beer off. So, you know, if the the beer's good, people drink it. So, you know, that's step one. And you know that I, that I think that would be great. You know, I'd love to go to Denver, or San Francisco, and see one of my beers on it. You know, one of the finer beer bars in the country. So, 
ideally that's where I'd want to be. Uh, you know, restaurant-wise, uh, you know, hopefully it's one one day at a time. You know, don't look too fast because uh, you know, don't look to the future too much because you're not going to see the bigger picture. You might miss some of the details that need to be uh, paid attention to. But you know, I. You know, if these you know, Coulter Bay and the brewery, and you know, I, I think it gives me eight. So, I'm, I'm I think I, hopefully I'll be pretty comfortable staying there. You know, Mike, as we bring this thing to a close, uh, it sounds like you have so much in the works. One of the things you mentioned for the future might be uh, distribution, uh, maybe making the brewery a success. It's an interesting question to ask, but is there anything right now that you would say is holding you back from from becoming that successful? Uh, something that you wish you had more of, or you, you know, um, you know, it's. I want to spend time with my kids. You know, that, that's the most important thing. You know, I do this, but you know, each each place I open takes time away from my kids, and you know, they're just they're four and a half and three, and you know, and spending time with them and my wife, and I think. There's got to, you have to have that life, life home balance, you know, and you keep, you know, that's more important to me than, you know, than my financial statement. So, uh, that'd be, it's not a detriment, but, you know, that, that'd be the one thing that would hold me back, I think. So you're about five years from getting him to bus tables? <laughs> yeah, yeah Cole, that's about right. Cole <laughs> might be bouncing. He's going to be a big boy. But uh, he is a big boy. But, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, and then once they get into school, I think, oh, you know, then then you got practices and you have all that stuff. So then it's it's a whole new world that is coming. You know, I want to, you know, I want to see as many other games and stuff as possible. So yeah. I think that would be, you know, it's... You know, I want to be successful, but I don't need to be like you know. I don't need to be Donald Trump or something. No, you only get so much time. No, and I think you're setting. I think you're setting your kids up well anyway, just by by being successful at what you do. So, you know, any advice though to uh, the guy just starting out? Maybe it's a mom and pop uh, coffee shop. Maybe it's a guy who. You know, he's been a chef for 15, 20 years, and he finally got some money together. He's opening his first restaurant. You know, what would you say to those people I'd just say, starting out? Don't be afraid to reach out. You know, don't don't be. Biggest thing is you you see some people that just think they're going to open a restaurant and it's it's going to be easy work and it's going to this. Oh, you buy a beer for a buck and you sell it for four. How can you not make money? There's uh, don't be blinded by there's. There's so much that goes in behind the scenes that you don't know about, you know, and it's hopefully they start making it, the state starts making it a little easier for small businesses to operate. But, uh, you know, if, if you're good in a restaurant, you, maybe you're taking home 10, 15 cents on the dollar, you know, and a lot of, a lot of places don't survive. So, you know, make sure this is really what you want to do and it's long hours and it's, you know, it's not easy. I mean, it can be it can be a great job and it can be a great thing to do, but know the potential pitfalls and do your homework. Yeah, it's, it sounds like good advice. You know, have a plan, be prepared, but also, uh, you know, ask for help when you need it. Well, guys, that is. Uh, I think we ran a little bit over, but we had some good stories in there. We did there. definitely. Um, Mike, thanks so much for being our hey, guest. It's a pleasure, pleasure having this. Is great uh, talking shop here and. Thanks for everything. Absolutely. And once again, follow uh, Mike and all the 
news and new restaurants he has. Uh, you can uh, go to Coles, ABV, Morpat, Liberty Hound, Brennan's, Blue Monk, Culture Bay. Check them out and look. Look at. I forgot ahead. one again. Well, we got to check out Thin Man when that opens yeah, up. Th- there you go. Yeah. And we got Coulter Bay as well. So, again, this is uh, Rich Douglas, Bill Easton. Thanks again, guys. Thank you.